Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns. Thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. Have you ever felt like you're a stranger in the room, like you're the one that may not belong? Well, today we're excited to start a series in the book of 1 Peter, where Peter addresses his letter to people whom he calls strangers. The title of our lesson today is called Stranger Things. So hang on and we'll get started. So have you ever been in that situation where you're the stranger somewhere, like you you just don't belong? Many years ago when our kids were, were very young, one of our daughters was just maybe three years old and taking dance classes, and I found myself in the afternoons of a Tuesday or a Thursday, picking her up or dropping her off amongst several other women. Her class had you know, several, several kids in it. There were several classes going, but it was several moms, uh, many moms, what felt like all moms and all girls that were there at the dance class and me to pick her up, to drop her off, to sit with her. And I did my best to do my fatherly duty, and I did my best to be her dad, and I uh, totally uh, enjoyed being with her and supporting her in that. But boy, at the dance school, I was feeling like I was a stranger and didn't belong there. I'm guessing you've had times where you have felt lonely yourself. And maybe on a serious note, you know, lonely in situations where you feel like you're the only one that's like you, or lonely where you're sitting at home and you feel like that your friends have left you. You know, if you feel uh, you're lonely in in different ways, uh, like I did when you're the only boy in a sea of girls, or you're in another country where no one speaks your language, and in a spot where you can't even ask for directions. You might be in a spot where no one has a skin color as you have where everyone else is feeling comfortable, but you're not. There's lots of situations that my guess is that you have felt uh, like a stranger, that you have felt uncomfortable. I know in my life there's been many times like that, not just the dance class. But the one thing that's common about uh, loneliness is that you're living a life not common to the people around you. You know, today we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 1 in the New American Standard Bible version and find out the thought of being a stranger, how that applies to us today. So I'll go ahead and begin reading in verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. I'll stop there for a second. I think it's important to look at who is exactly Peter is writing to here. Who are the hearers and who are the people going to read his letter? You know, as we see these these areas, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, you know, those are areas, as you look on a map today, that are actually uh, farther out into what I would call the, the, the upper areas of what we know as Turkey today. These are areas that Paul was never known to go to, Peter was not known to go to, 
And so this letter goes to people that uh, maybe are the outliers a little bit. They're not, there's areas not along the Mediterranean Sea. They're not big uh, uh, cities that would import goods and, and uh, had, had large populations. But these are a little bit of the outlier cities that Peter is writing to. What's interesting is that you'll find many of these places in Acts chapter 2 where people had come from these places uh, to Jerusalem to worship. And also we see these, some of these areas again in Acts chapter 16 where actually the Spirit did not allow Paul to go to some of these areas. They're farther away from the main cities. You might say that they're nestled in the mountains like we are here in Charlottesville. But the people that he, writing, that he is writing to are followers. They are followers of Jesus. They had made the choices to make Jesus their Lord, and they are disciples of Jesus. This letter written about 30 years after Jesus had been alive. But Peter addresses them as chosen in verse 1. He says that they are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. If you're a follower of Jesus today, have you ever considered yourself chosen? Have you thought of yourself today as being chosen by God? That's just a side note because it's just encouraging to think about. It's encouraging to think about God looking at you and say, Yes, I want that girl. Or I want that guy. I want this person. I want that person. Well, in fact, we know that God wants all people to become believers. And so it's not that we are specially uh, chosen uh, versus someone else. Everyone has the opportunity to make Jesus their Lord and to be a follower of Jesus. But these people did make that choice, and they were followers. And Peter addresses them as chosen by God. But then he also mentions that they are strangers. In other words, they weren't like other people around them. He does it again in 1 Peter chapter 2, which we'll look at another time. But he addresses them as strangers. Not because they didn't know anyone there, or each one lived by themselves and didn't know the people around them, and everybody was all on their own. They're addressed as strangers because they simply they were followers of Jesus. Their lives represented something that most of those around them did not. They had applied the, the teachings of Jesus to their lives, and it showed. And they shared the good news about Jesus with others. The things that they valued, the ways that they carried themselves, the things they did from day to day to day were different than most of the people around them. So Peter addresses them as strangers because, they, again, they were not like the people around them and the way they lived. You know, there's always a lot of religion around, even in that time where Peter is writing this letter. There's a religion abound. But we saw in the book of Acts, as we read through that recently, and we see here that this was something different of following Jesus. It wasn't just the religious people. It wasn't just people that held traditions for centuries People who were following Jesus were different. People who were following Jesus were just a little bit more radical than the people around them. And of course, this would lead to various trials. And as we see in verse 6, 
these folks are experiencing. And it just reminds me of 1 Peter 3, verse 17. Now Peter writes, For it is better, if God should will it, so that you suffer for doing what is right that, rather than for doing what is wrong. And that's where these people were at. They were suffering of just being disciples. They were having trials of various kinds, as Jesus or as Peter would write. You know, as much as I wish discipleship of Jesus would make life easier, as much as I wish that, that making Jesus Lord would make life easier and make our society easier, make our lives easier, it just doesn't. You know, I find that I still need to pay taxes. I find that my sports team still lose from time to time, if not most times. But I also find that people can still hurt me. And I also find that I can still struggle with myself and just be all in to myself. And so it's in that light, I think, that we can kind of put ourselves in these cities that Peter is writing to. That we can identify with these people as strangers, living a little bit remotely and trying to be obedient to Jesus, but it's all not going as they had wished. It's not all that it's cracked up to be on the surface. I hope you feel like Peter is writing to you, actually. I hope you feel a very personal touch and a personal letter from Peter to you. And I think that's what God's word uh, is meant for his word to be taken that personal, that it is for you. That is for you today, it was for you yesterday, it's for you tomorrow. It applies day in and day out, and it never fades. It is a letter from God to you. It is him speaking to you, revealing himself. So important. So let that sink in. It's not just a good book. It is a letter from God to you. We continue in verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again into a living hope through a resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which perishes though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as to the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied in the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. The title of the message today, Stranger Things, and our first thought is 
the faith of a stranger. You know, so many things strike me about these words that Peter writes. He talks about a living hope. What strikes me is a hope that is alive, that it is active, it is applicable, it doesn't go away. It, in fact, meets my needs, and I can count on it, even on the darkest of days. I can always have a living hope. He talks about an inheritance that is in heaven for you and for me, that, that's just sitting there, that it's not going anywhere, that it is just waiting for us. As disciples of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, as people who have made Jesus their Lord, this inheritance waits for you. It is not going anywhere. That is so exciting to think about. But then he also talks about the value of our faith. Yeah, I think we undervalue that very much. You know, if I had a piece of land that was worth $100,000, but I came to you and said, you know what, I'm going to give it to you for $429. I just don't see the value in it even though the realtors and people that have looked at it value at, at $100,000 for you, you can have it for $429. Well, you would jump right on that deal because that is quite a bit of a bargain deal. But my point is that sometimes we don't see the value in our faith, but we can obviously see the value in a piece of land. People come and look and, 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 and appraise it and give it a certain value. And we would agree and we would say, yes, okay, that's worth $100,000. It would be very silly for me to take a piece of land for $100,000 and to sell it for you for $429. That doesn't even make sense. But we can treat our faith the very same way. And as silly as it sounds to value a $100,000 property for just $429, I think we should look at our faith and value our faith. And I think that challenges that thought of, you know what? My faith is very valuable. Your faith is very valuable. And that is Peter's point. When it comes to your faith, it actually might be the most valuable thing that you have. Do you think about that? Did you know that? In verse 5, he writes, Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, we are protected by the power of God through our faith. It keeps us safe in danger. It thwarts off enemy attack. In ways we don't know. Our faith is very valuable. In verse 7, he talks, A proof of our faith being more precious than gold. As I record this, I'm not sure of the value per ounce of the metal uh, gold. But gold, as we know, is super uh, valuable. It is super precious. But because our, our faith, it keeps us tied to Jesus while we're here on earth looking at each other. Through our faith, we get the salvation that we long for. Through our faith, we believe it's there. Through our faith, we believe that Jesus did, in fact, walk this earth. Through our faith, we do believe that Jesus did actually die on the cross. And through our faith, 
we believe that Jesus, in fact, did rise from the dead. Our faith is so, so valuable, and we should treat it that way. You should think about your faith, the value of your faith, and hang on to your faith forever and ever because it is so valuable. If it is so valuable, I think we should treat it as such, right? That seems to make sense. In other words, when we go to a worship service on a Sunday morning, it's not just a simple activity. It's just not on a to-do list. It's just not something that we go and do. But I know we fall into that trap all the time. I know that we fall into going through routines and forget about actually why we're doing what we're doing. And Sunday morning is just a perfect time like that as any. It's not just simply a time to worship. It's just not an activity to go and do. It is our time to connect God, to worship God, to connect with him through the communion, and to connect with other people around us. You know, I don't think we should look at any time when we're with people that can help our faith grow as just something to do. Sometimes we meet in small groups. And again, that's not just an activity to go do. It's just not something to go do on a Tuesday night, a Wednesday night, Thursday night, whenever your group might, might meet. But it is something that actually these people are there that God has put us with and their faith. Uh, they can help me grow my faith. I think when we look at our faith, I think we should look at our faith with eyes that are wide open. How can I hang on to that faith? How can I grow my faith? How can I share my faith? That, in fact, is the faith of a stranger. That is, in fact, a stranger thing. That faith is precious. It is valuable. It is alive. Peter continues in verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile ways of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obedience to the truth for a sincere love of the brothers and sisters, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is imperishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. 
For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the glory of grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. My second thought of stranger things is the ways of a stranger. You know, he starts off in verse 13 that I just read. He says to prepare your minds for action. You know, if you have this incredibly valuable faith, if you have this faith that is more precious than gold, this faith that might be the most valuable thing that you have, so what? So what? Maybe the bigger question is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with it? And that's where Peter says, prepare your minds for actions. These people may have been struggling a bit through the trials, maybe, but regardless of good or bad day, today, yesterday, we can control, always control what is tomorrow. And I think that's what Peter is saying here, to prepare your minds for action. Be the light at your workplace. Be the light at your class. Let your faith shine in your home. Let your faith shine within the church and your ministry activities. Prepare your minds for action with your faith. Because, if, again, if it is so valuable, what are we going to do with it? So he starts off preparing your minds for action. The next thing he says, to keep sober in the spirit. You know, I think we need to see clearly the spiritual ba battle that rages around us. The spiritual battle that wages for our soul. And have a spiritual perspective on that. You know that we do, in fact, have an enemy that is at battle for our very life. And so again, Peter reminds them to keep sober in the spirit, to be clear-minded. To keep, I think for us, we, we need to keep or get a spiritual perspective on the issues that consume the world, and maybe they consume you. You know the ones I'm talking about, the ones that show up on social media or in your, uh, in your news feed, the issues that we sometimes can get, get ourselves wrapped up in, inappropriately so. And see a spiritual perspective behind that of how we sometimes get caught up in a particular issue or a particular thing that is out in the world, but it's us allowing our thoughts to get wrapped up in that particular topic. So we need to keep a sober spirit and have a clear view. In other words, if your nose is, is running and you have a virus, you know, one, one might look at the nose running and think like, oh, the nose is running, so let me just wipe my nose. When in fact, there's actually a virus going on inside of you. Your body actually has, has some kind of a disease. Now, it just might need some water. It might just need some rest in that case. But the runny nose is actually just the symptom of the virus that is going on in your body. And so a clear view of that would be just that, that, oh, yeah, there is a virus going on. I need some rest. I need some liquids. I might need some medical attention. 
but the runny nose is just just a symptom and we shouldn't just get caught up on just fixing our nose running when in fact we have a virus so keeping sober in the spirit being keeping clear minds as we see issues that are in the world that can take us away and distract us away from Jesus that's what Peter is talking to them about thirdly he says to set all your hope in God's grace that comes in Jesus set all your hope in God's grace that comes in Jesus that's every bit of it all of it all of the hope that you can muster you cannot get too close to God you cannot get too close and spend too much time with God and so when Peter writes set all your hope in God's grace he's directing them to their relationships with God to be one with God don't let ourselves get wrapped up in the issues around them but to sink all of our hope into God's grace that comes in Jesus what will you do this week to be closer to God and how will it show what will you do this week to get yourself closer with God in that deep relationship with God and how will it show in your life how will it be reflected well think about your personal times with God are they going okay are you having that time are you having that time just just consistently in your life is it showing as a priority in your life and if you're struggling in that area I very much understand I've been there myself from time to time but it's important to get the help it's important to get the help to seek out the help because again we're looking at our faith is super precious and something we want to build and to work on and to take care of finally he says Peter says resist the sins that you used to do your old ways he says stay away from those you know the Bible just doesn't clown around with this these are the very things that can destroy that valuable faith that you have those sins of, of yesteryear or maybe even currently, those are the things that can destroy your faith. And the Bible does not mess around with that. And that's where I just love, he speaks very clearly of to be holy because I am holy, as God speaks to us. To be holy because I am holy. Well, there's many other stranger things that you could take from 1 Peter chapter 1, but here's two of them. To have the faith of a stranger and act the ways of a stranger. I want to encourage you to read through 1 Peter and let it speak to you. Even though Peter wrote this many, many years ago, let it speak to you today. Take the time strengthen your faith because it is so valuable take the time have the heart that is close to God so you can act in the ways of a stranger read through first Peter let it speak to you I hope you found this helpful today I hope that was helpful and if you liked it and would like to hear more please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast 
And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area and would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.